All right, Janet, can you hear me now? Can. Yes. Awesome. We are me? recording, so I've got it. We're good. Right. Good deal. All right. So again, I'll just introduce the podcast. I'll throw it over to you to add a little more detail, and we'll just take it from there and have some fun. Okay, cool. Welcome back to the Rural Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Connie, and joining me today is one of our most prolific Innovative Mavericks in Nebraska, so I'm really excited about this. Janet Palmtag is on the show. Janet is the founder of JJ Palmtag Inc., a real estate company, which I knew, but then there's a little bit of a surprise here. She's also the founder of Tub Tool LLC, a Nebraska startup. Welcome to the show, Janet. Well, thank you for inviting me, Dr. Connie. Thrilled to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you on, not only because you're a maverick, you know, serial entrepreneur, but also because you're a very prolific leader in our state and across the nation in real estate, but also in so many other ways. And I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with you today. Great. So Janet, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Give us some background. Okay, well, first of all, um, I have three grown sons and an absolutely brilliant daughter-in-law. Um, I have two grandkids, uh, age one and two. That's super fun. Um, I'm a native, actually, of Nebraska City, so I was born and raised here. Um, attended the Catholic school. Um, after that, I went to the university and got a business degree. My The year I graduated, um, I married my husband, who happened to be from Nebraska City as well, so landed back uh, into my hometown. Um, from there, I actually started working for an insurance agency, and um, a couple of years into that job, I started the real estate company. Um, felt really lucky my employer was willing you know, to allow me to do a startup real estate company uh, in conjunction with um, the insurance agency. So that was, that was uh, fortunate and, and great for me. Um, anyway, um, let's see. I ended up buying the insurance agency um, in 1995, uh, grew it, developed it, um, sold it in 2010. So I did have that company um, for a while. It was a great experience, loved it. Um, I still own the real estate company, and it's being run right now by uh, my son. So he's our broker, and I'm still um, very active in it. But a couple of years ago, I started um, a little company called Tub Tool, and it is still in its infancy. So um, that's kind of an interesting uh, undertaking and super fun. Learned, learned quite a bit from that. Let's dive into that just a little bit. So what made you want to get into real estate and start a real estate company? Well, um, you know, when I graduated from the university, I um, just assumed I'd be in a finance job. Uh, I suppose insurance is a little, a little bit that way. But so I wanted to invest in real estate just right off the bat. I wasn't looking for a home to live in, but I knew that I wanted investment properties. And, you know, I struggled quite a bit. Um, getting, you know, people to respond uh, to my to my request for real estate. I was an active buyer, and I, I just couldn't quite um, get the level of service um, I think that I needed. So I identified a huge gap in the market and thought, hey, you know, somebody 
that can really provide customer service can do something here. So um, just decided at that point, um, let's, let's do this and, and did. And it turned out uh, to be a really great company for us. Well, and then go, you know, I'd, I'd love to know more about the evolution of tub tool as well. It sounds to me like you're great at identifying an opportunity in that marketplace and then just diving in and pursuing it as a business or at least exploring that possibility. So tell us a little bit about how tub tool came about. Well, tub tool is kind of an interesting um, thing. I never dreamed that I would be doing product or product development or uh, product startup. But um, a few years ago, I had an accident where I had a pretty serious concussion. So it kind of uh, landed me at home um, for a couple of months. And it was pretty frustrating for a person like me to have to, you know, work from home. I, you know, I wasn't able to, to drive. So I thought to myself, well, at least I'm going to keep this house clean as long as I'm restricted <laughs> to this environment. Um, so I, um, with that concussion came, you know, difficulty bending over and, you know, any abrupt turns, you know, one direction or the other, but I was able to do my housekeeping and, you know, thank goodness for the internet. I was able to keep up somewhat with my, my other work, but um, I was not able to clean the bathroom. I could not um, get that simple job accomplished uh, because of my instability. Um, um, I just could not, you know, bend over uh, any further than a certain number of degrees before, you know, I would lose my balance. And I thought, I wonder how older people do this. How on earth do other people that are not quite strong and have a little bit of balance, how do they clean these bathrooms? So I um, started asking around my mother. Um, I have a, a friend, a, a retired physicist um, that I hang out with commonly. And I called him and I, and my mom and said, how on earth do you guys, you know, keep your bathtubs and showers clean? What do you, what do you do? Um, and of course my mother is like, Oh, I, I never, never clean those ever. Someone else has to do it. It's too hard. And my uh, physicist friend is like, Oh, well, I don't want to tell you what I do, Janet. I put a towel on the end of the toilet brush and that is the only way that I can do it because I cannot, you know, bend over or whatever. So then um, we started you know, talking to hotel maids and other housekeeping staff at institutional, you know, facilities. And they're like, yeah, there's really just no good way to do it. You know, you have to bend, reach, you know, squat. And I'm like, oh, heavens. So then I thought, well, this just can't be. So I got on the internet and ordered oh gosh, 20 different cleaning tools that, you know, profess to be able to make this job simpler. And none of them worked well. Um, you know, theoretically, when I ordered them, I thought that it might be something that would work. Um, but when it arrived and I tested it, no, indeed it didn't. So again, I had had some time on my hands. I was pretty much incapacitated. So my brain was working. I just couldn't, you know, do a lot of uh, physical things. So anyway, I started kind of uh, putting together a prototype and I thought, well, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but 
you know, what the heck, I've got the time. So um, from the prototype, um, I did come up with something that I felt really would work uh, from just putting it together, um, you know, at, at my home. So I contacted um, an engineer next and had him help me um, put into an AutoCAD file the, you know, the measurements and design and the, um, uh, the, the tool. And from that, um, I had him 3D print for me, oh gosh, hundreds of uh, different um, uh, samples and different, you know, adjustments in the tool until we got it to a point where I thought that it was, it was going, to, going to be the tub tool. Okay, hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta back up. So, you're incapacitated. <laughs> at the time. You know, I'm, I'm worried about even putting that in there. You're gonna have to chop this up and cut it up. <laughs> no, it'll be funny. I mean, this is just a great story, Janet. Here you are. You know, you can't. You know, here you are. Stupid, doesn't it? It's like yeah. I mean, you can't. You know, you're you're typically this high energy out there showing houses, networking with people, high level business leader. But you have this injury. You can't get out and do what you normally do. So what you do is decide to start another business, basically from your house. In terms of like, how do we do the market research? How do we interview people? And not only are you interviewing just friends and family, you start actually going to the marketplace, the people that do the most cleaning in different industries have prototypes made and then use 3D printing to see if this is gonna work. Am, am I hearing this all correctly? Yeah, yeah, that is, that's the deal. I think this is tremendous. You know, as we know, you know, the future is really evolving at a rapid clip right now, but you've integrated a lot of technology into the evolution of tub tool, but you've also integrated this human element. You know, by the year 2035, the U.S. Census Bureau estimates that the older, older adults will outnumber children in the United States. So this is happening and the longevity economy itself you know, we have 11 million Americans over the age of 50, and they generate 7.6 trillion in economic activity, according to a recent study by AARP. So this is a great niche to be in right now. You know, well, thank you. I would have loved it to have been some high tech, you know, uh, computer product or application or something, but, but it's um it's something that I really uh, think got missed along the way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you hear people telling you there's no good way to do it, it, I can't do it. You know, I'm using a toilet brush just to try to put a towel on the end to do it because, you know, I would have never thought about it. There's so many people that can't bend over to clean and cleaning a tub and other surfaces requires that. And not everybody can afford to hire somebody to do it. So how are people doing this out there? What a great question to have asked and, and found a solution to. Well, I hope that other people, you know, need the tool and buy the tool. And I, and I hope that company works out. It's again, it's brand new. So we're, we're just uh, uh, getting involved in the, the marketing part of it. So is it available in the marketplace then? You know, it is. Um, we are on Amazon and tubtool.com. We're in a few retail locations. Um, we're in one janitorial supply store right now. And next week we meet with um, a larger retail company and we'll see how that goes. 
Well, congratulations. So tubtool.com for people looking for an easy solution, something that can help them clean their tubs and just add value to their lives pretty easily. But I also want to dive into a little bit about what I see as sort of the theme. You know, you continue to find these challenges, you're turning them into opportunities. So describe yourself as a leader. Well, um, for me, um, basically a leader is somebody who can assemble a good team. Um, there is no question, and I think, I think a lot of people have grown to understand that it does take a team um, of people, um, you know, with different strengths and um, a team that trusts each other and don't judge each other. They are passionate, hopefully, about your product or your company or your goal. And um, hopefully they're people that take ownership in it and um, will really help the team, you know, move to, to where they need to be to, uh, to accomplish the goal. You know, I also get a sense that you don't really worry about risk. Like you're not in your mind, like holding yourself back because you think that failure is a bad thing. So, at, you know, when you think about yourself as a leader, how would you describe risk to others or how would you describe the need to be entrepreneurial for others? What advice would you give people around that? You know, um, I have made so many mistakes and they are absolutely visible for all to see. And, you know, especially like on my team in our insurance agency, um, you know, we got together and we interviewed as a, you know, as a team, a group, and it's, um, you know, kind of amazing to me how the different perceptions, you know, shifted our decision uh, for, you know, the right direction. You know, there were a couple of times where, you know, I made a decision to do this or, or that. And it was a mistake. And I just own it. And it is there. And I and I think, you know, we do take calculated risks, there are risks I cannot take and will not take. But but certainly, um, I think that we all are not perfect. And we all must be allowed to make mistakes. And you know what, we're learning from them. So um, don't look at it negatively or let it uh, bring you down. It's, it's uh, okay, won't do that, or at least we won't do that this year. The timing may have been incorrect for that particular decision that didn't work out. So um, anyway, it's, it's, it's a lesson for sure. So how do you see leadership evolving into the future? You know, you've worked with teams, you've built businesses, you've sold businesses. How do you see this evolution of leadership and even entrepreneurship as it evolves into the future? Well, first of all, you know, it, it has changed. Um, you know, the synonyms that still uh, you find are, you know, for leadership is power, rule, control, command, you know, horribly oppressive words such as that. But um, I think that we have changed from that already. And I, I'm confident that that the leadership role will change in the, the future as well, because, you know, it really is about, um, people being engaged and empowered and one person cannot possibly, you know, be an expert in, in all fields and, and, and it takes a team. So I'm anxious to see what the future brings for, for leadership. So I'd love for you to put your futurist hat on and really think about, you know, the future of real estate 
and even the future of entrepreneurship, but let's think about real estate first. I think this is a really interesting area. You know, how do you see the future of real estate? What major changes do you see in your area of expertise? Um, expertise is kind of a, a dynamic term as well. We may be an expert today in real estate, but tomorrow watch out because um, it has been evolving and changing so rapidly. Um, I do think technology, although it has totally shifted um, my industry in real estate, I believe that that is going to be um, continuously shifted. So um, I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg on, on what's possible uh, in real estate, commercial, residential, agricultural. Um, so that is definitely uh, going to be a major change. I do think though, with all of those changes, I do think that we're gonna default back to a requirement for strong relationship um, with clients. So customer service, you know, being counselors and, and um, uh, I, I do believe that will be important going forth in the future as well. Why do you think that it's going to become more and more important as the future unfolds? Well, our, our world is getting smaller and super smart and, um, I, I just, um, oh gosh, this is a hard question for me. Um, okay, you're going to have to take that part out. Oh, that's okay. Just, you know, take a pause and, and. Yeah, I, you know, it comes back to technology. That is why, you know, our future will be impacted is, is the aggressive changes in the information that's available and, you know, the virtual reality of, um, looking at properties, uh, you know, both out in an agricultural field or a commercial building, the, um, you know, the drones that we're using right now, you can see everything almost as if you're there and uh, virtual reality um, interior of properties um, is really changing the dynamics, it's saving, saving money. And it's a very um, efficient, a very efficient way for people to, um, uh, to research and, and, and buy property. Well, I think you've always been on the cutting edge of the technology in terms of the real estate market and what's happening there. But I also think you're right in terms of that human touch, because I think sometimes people are so overwhelmed by the technology. They're really looking for a trusted partner, especially making big decisions, you know, like, should I invest in this home? Should I invest in this property? Um, how should I grow my real estate portfolio? And I, I think depending on people like yourself to do that is going to be an important part of the process as we move forward. I agree. You have to have, you know, someone that you can, can trust on the ground. And, um, you know, as you know, so much information, even photos today and, and virtual tours can be doctored up. Yes. A lot of controversy right now over, um, you know, what's available on the internet and is it really what, uh, what is there or have we removed some, uh, you know, information, you know, from that photo to make it more appealing or um, uh, more sellable? Yeah, you know, my husband and I have gone through that a little bit ourselves. We've really debated about, about moving into a different house. And what we've noticed is, you know, some of the pictures, even the angles and, you know, all the staging that happens now, <laughs> 
is hard to get. While the technology is great, I think there's a lot, lot more that can be done there. So it'll be interesting to watch, watch the evolution. But, you know, to get the, the actual reality of the situation, I think is, is really important for a buyer. And so it'll be good to see that get better over time. But yeah, you can really be surprised when you see something online and then go look at it physically. Yeah. And that can be quite frustrating and it, uh, you know, it kind of violates trust. And so um, I do think you need a, a trusted real life person to, uh, uh, to help you with that. Okay. I do want to ask you a little bit about women in leadership because, you know, you've been on the forefront of leadership, you know, for a long time. And I think the great thing for you, or at least watching you has been, you know, you have this presence about you that's just so strong and people respect you and they trust you. But we also know that housing in rural areas is a challenge um, for Nebraska, but even beyond Nebraska. And I think being an advocate for real estate and a leader in that space, but also for women has been part of, you know, how we've connected. And I'd love to get some thoughts on that. So let's dissect housing a little bit, you know, in terms of, of rural and what that looks like. You know, what kind of creative solutions do you see needed in this space for many of our rural communities right now? Well, the housing um, issue is a problem across the state specifically for, for rural Nebraska. Um, well, I think actually in every state, you know, across the nation, the rural communities are having housing issues as well. But, but there are a lot of creative tools um, that have come out um, to, to help rural communities, um, as well as the, the metropolitan areas. But um, I really think it takes the community um, to get together and say, hey, this is what we need. How can we accomplish this? Um, find some solutions and get everyone involved, the, you know, the builders, the, the realtors, investors, the city council, the county commissioners, economic development. Um, get everyone together to find solutions. Just, just find a way. Maybe we need the utility company to, you know, help in this way. Maybe we need the city to, you know, help with um, some paving. Maybe we need, you know, some land uh, given to a project so that it can cash flow and at least, you know, make a little bit of money. Uh, construction costs are quite high right now and and infrastructure is is difficult as well. So it takes a collaboration, and I think it takes the city, the town, um, to get together and uh, pave their own path and then use the tools that, that are available uh, by the state as well. Absolutely, and I know you're a huge advocate, but also leader in terms of community engagement, and not only, you know, representing your business, but really engaging leaders around this topic to create some innovative solutions. Well, we are definitely working on it. Certainly. Yeah, we appreciate that because we know that, you know, there, there, we need new models in rural in terms of housing, mm -hmm. um, different structures. What does that look like moving into the future? So we so appreciate the leadership of people like yourself who are doing great things in business, but also great things in our communities. So thank you for that. My pleasure. I, I love rural Nebraska and, uh, and it's exciting to, uh, 
to work with uh, the people in Nebraska City and Southeast Nebraska. I want to jump to a little bit about you and being a female, being a leader and an entrepreneur. So characterize your experience, you know, as an entrepreneur, as an inventor, um, and as somebody who really makes things happen in the world of business, but also, you know, being a female and, you know, Nebraska typically has not been ranked very high in terms of female entrepreneurship. So, you know, how do you think we can nurture this in more women throughout, not just Nebraska, but the nation and the world as well? You know, Connie, I think that it begins at home. I think that families need to nurture their sons and daughters, you know, both equally. And uh, uh, in my world, again, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, and um, it, it wasn't always that way. You know, our parents loved us completely, but there was a difference in the expectation of the son versus the daughter, in my view. Um, I know that like my grandfather, uh, when we were getting ready to go to college, my grandpa said, that's ridiculous. What do you think you're doing? You do not go to college or whatever. And it's like, grandpa, I love you, man, but I'm going to college. (laughs) So even that in my lifetime, it seems kind of, you know, I I think my children or my, my, uh, yeah, my daughter-in-law wouldn't quite hardly believe that, but, and then in college, and I don't want to, you know, thank, I love the University of Nebraska, but when I was in college, um, I did have a very, very bad gender experience in one of my finance courses. Do you want to hear about that, really? I do. I mean, I think these are important conversations because I, I really feel that, you know, we still need to do a lot to empower women around the world, but especially in our rural areas. And that includes in our classrooms in, in universities. You know, I've been working at the university for a long time, of course, but, you know, it's been interesting. I, you know, here I am in my late 40s and to see the evolution of, um, you know, what happens in terms of the workplace is, is really quite fascinating. I've worked mostly in a male-dominated, you know, university. And mm-hmm. so it you know, in classrooms, in meetings, and these types of things, does it get better? And are we making progress? Absolutely. But I also think in this day and age, I'm so glad to see that it's talked about more, but it's also the the sort of hidden things that continue to happen. Um, and really this big question about, you know, how do we just make it better so that, like you're saying, it's not just male against female. It has to be everybody you know, is really empowered to do their best. So yeah, any stories you have to share would be welcome. Well, and um, you're going to cut that part out about the university. I'm actually not going to tell that story, but I will, okay, t- that's I, will, fine. I will I will tell you at another time. It was <laughs> horrifying, but I will uh, share an experience. Um, when I was running the insurance company, this was a, oh, maybe a year or two before I purchased the, the insurance company. Um, I had been seeking um, an insurance carrier contract. Um, There was a specific company that had some great products. I knew I would be able to sell um, in my marketplace. I had contacted the company and asked for a contract and I couldn't get them to to respond. Um, I was kind of bugging them saying, you know, I know I can sell this product. Please give me a contract. You know, we will give you this much volume within uh, this certain time frame. You know, uh, blah blah blah. Well, the owner of the company 
um, had received a letter shortly thereafter, my hounding them for a contract. And it basically said, we are sorry to inform you that we will not give a contract to an agency managed by a woman. Should you decide to put a male in that position, we will dis you know, discuss a contract further. And of course, um, uh, the owner called me into his office and said, Janet, you are not going to believe this letter I just received. And we're talking about, you know, a national company. Wow. He read it to me and I said, and they put that in writing? <laughs> and he said, yes, he, they did. And uh, they did not realize at the time that uh, my, um, my, the owner of the company was also a lawyer. And he said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, you are going to threaten to sue them because this is wrong and it it should not be the reason they don't give us the contract. So he did, in fact, um, make some threats. We were immediately given a contract after his contact with them. And I'm very happy to say that after a year of a contract with that company, we um, received a regional um, highest sales in the region contest. And so anyway, I ended up going to receive awards from this company from being the, the highest salesperson in the, in the region. So anyway, we proved them wrong in a very short uh, period of time. So that, you know, that makes you just very angry. And I think that, I think that from, you know, a child, um, when you are told that, you know, you are not equivalent, you're not, um, you don't meet up to the expectation of your, of your, you know, brother counterpart. Um, and I think, you know, I think it happens in church too. I always wanted to be an altar server and you know what? Girls just can't do that. Um, and I remember thinking, gosh, if only I could be holier, maybe I could be an altar server. And it's like, no, it's because you're a girl that you can't be an altar server. No amount of holiness is going to get you up there, <laughs> you know. So I think that we have these um, deep-seated ideas, and I think women feel that they truly aren't up to the task. And, and again, I think that I would love to see um, children not have those obstacles right off the get-go in life. And hopefully, hopefully, girls today, women today coming out of the university will never have the experience that I had trying to get a contract just because I wanted to sell their product. So anyway, there you go. Yeah, you know, I love, though, how you took that challenging situation, you know, and you had this knowing of, you know what, I know I can do this. So we're going to not just drop it. We're going to take a very professional approach here. But then... I'm showing up a year later, <laughs> getting an award, you know, because I know this is what needs to happen. So, you know, do you believe in a strong sense of, in, let me reword that. Um, do you use your intuition a lot in business and in leadership? I'm just curious. 
You know, I, I do, but you know, you have to be careful. There's, there's emotional and then there, you know, is rational. And I do try to be very careful about that because, you know, rationality matters, but sometimes you have to go with your gut and, and you may be right. So. I also feel like you have just such a positive mindset and, you know, at the Rural Futures Institute, we really talk a lot about the importance of having that abundance, positive mindset in, because it does give you an ability to pursue your desired future in a different way from a, from a way of not negativity, but positivity. How do you continue to develop your mindset and stay positive through those challenges? Um, because we have to be the change that we want to see truly. Uh, you know, we can't sit around and ball because, you know, somebody, you know, d doesn't like us or, you know, has a preconceived notion of our, our ability. We must plow ahead of that and kind of, you know, blaze the trail. So I'm very positive about that. And I take responsibility in, in helping um, get to a get to a better place. I do have a, a good attitude about that, I think. Yeah, definitely you do. And I'd love for you to share your parting words of wisdom with our audience. This has been a great interview, so many insights, but what would you leave them with? Well, first of all, um, you know, appreciate your community that you're in. I think a lot of the opportunities I had, I might not have had if it weren't for my small community and uh, my supportive uh, group of people uh, in my in my hometown in it in my business. Um, I guess secondly, um, I do think that technology is going to at least have the capacity to dissolve, you know, the rural urban issues. It already has started to erode and and dissolve some of the issues that we have in, in my opinion. I think all people want quality of life, period. And they want quality education for their kids. And to be honest, we are constantly learning. We need education for ourselves as well. Um, that is quality. And I think technology is bringing that um, to the rural communities and to everywhere. It's really equalizing uh, things. And also, um, I guess finally, being uh, being from a you know a small community like Nebraska City um, and Southeast Nebraska, we do business in Auburn and, and Rockport as well. But um, you know, there's there are groups like the Rural Impact Hub. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's in Auburn and Becom Solution hosts it. But they provide an area where they have speakers. Um, they have uh, collaboration between, um, you know, different groups of people. It's, you know, it's a place where you can come learn, collaborate, um, listen to some great lectures or, or speakers. So, so that is a, a positive thing happening in Southeast Nebraska. Um, you know, the Nebraska Rural Renaissance, I think you've heard of them. They are great. That's Mick Jensen from Great Plains and Dennis Wiederholt from DLR. They go out to areas of Nebraska and actually have summits 
where they bring people together and say, hey, what's your problem? How can we help you guys solve this? Let's collaborate. That is the urban rural um, collaboration at its absolute best. And I think they're doing great things. And then I don't know if you've heard of Nebraska Rural Living or not, but they're an online publication that I stumbled across one day. And I love them because they highlight the personalities of these small communities in Nebraska. And they have great graphics and videos and drones. And, and they talk about the entrepreneurs in the, the, the small communities as well. It's really fascinating. That would be um, something that I would encourage everyone to take a peek at too. So, so basically, um, uh, you know, bloom where you're planted in these uh, rural communities and uh, appreciate what you've got because it's, it's a high quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'd love to partner with other entities. You know, Rural Impact Hub is one of those. Um, we haven't directly partnered with the Nebraska Rural Renaissance, but I think that would be a great one to explore. And I'm a huge fan as well as, of Nebraska Rural Living. And Oh, good. You know of it. I, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. And, you know, th these are, there's so many great things happening in the rural space. You know, Nebraska, and of course, a lot of our listeners are, you know, in Nebraska and beyond nationally and internationally as well. And so for some perspective, you know, Southeast Nebraska you know, when we think about rural, you know, a lot of people are, you know, there's tens of thousands of people in communities, but, you know, Nebraska City is one of the largest communities down there, right around 7,000 people. And so when you think about rural in different places, it's amazing to see all the innovation and creativity happening in these locations that are various sizes. But I love how you hit on the quality of life aspect. And we're going to be launching a thriving index here soon to look at not just population, because I think that's a metric we use a lot to think about, you know, the future of communities, but really what are those quality of life indicators in Nebraska and beyond? How do we take a look at rural differently than what we have in the past and, and really examine that in some detail? Because we do see young people living in our communities, wanting to come back to those communities. We see retirees coming to rural communities for those quality of life factors. So it's an exciting time, I think, to be in this area of rural, but it's also very exciting to connect with our urban you know, brothers and sisters and communities to think about how can we create and co-create a better future together in this globalized society. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Janet. Thank you so much for the great work you're doing, the leadership, the entrepreneurship um, that you're providing, because I'm excited to see where TubTool goes. But, you know, as you know, I've been a huge fan for a long time and we've worked together, you know, with the Gallup organization and some of the entrepreneurship work they've been doing. So it's been great to, to be a partner in your life, but I love to see where where we can go together, especially in the areas of housing, and of course, in the area of supporting your business, which I'm totally excited about. That's a, a, just an amazing thing. It, one of my new um, passions, I guess relatively new, I shouldn't say it's completely new, but is really looking at, especially women in midlife as we get older, how do we not just slow down, um, but really maybe take on a second act or, or keep you know, our vitality personally as well in our communities and in our lives and in our families, but really embrace midlife differently as people are aging in a different way, but also living so much longer. So I'd love for, to connect with you more on that as well. 
Well, thank you for all you are doing for rural Nebraska. Um, you've been the topic of several conversations I've had around Southeast Nebraska. Everyone is uh, quite thrilled with what you are doing and, and thank you so much for that. Well, we appreciate that. I mean, I think this is where it's so important to have that continued engagement to make sure that we are serving the people in our communities and our communities well. We'll actually be in Southeast Nebraska in April, we're going to start talking about coding as, you know, the potential future for workforce development in Nebraska. So it's exciting to see how the technology comes together, but with the people, but as you said, it's all about that community engagement because the communities have to, you know, want to, communities have to want to develop their own future. We just want to help facilitate whatever we can to help them be successful in the way they want to achieve success. I agree with that. And the the different communities do have their own personalities. And uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to explore um, the, the different uh, towns across Nebraska. Absolutely. And Janet, just so our listeners know, where can they find you? Well, they can find me in Nebraska City at my office or my Auburn office or in Rockport or um, they can find us at uh, www.palmtag.com or www.tubtool.com if you want to simplify your bathroom cleaning life. So, Fantastic. <laughs> thank you so much, Janet. Thank you for being a guest on the Rural Futures Podcast, and thank you all for listening. Until next time. Thanks, Connie. Now, what about the altar server thing? Is that too controversial? No, no. You know, it's a funny, I thought I had to interject my own story around that. When I was, we must be cut from the same cloth because when I was young, I, I remember being in church and we were Missouri Synod Lutheran. That's how I was raised. And I just remember standing in church. And I'm like, I asked the pastor, I'm like, why can't women, you know, be an usher or, you know, any sort of leader in the church? And I, my dad is standing back there like, oh, geez, here's my daughter, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not surprised but I think just trying to figure out how do we navigate you know this and you know I think it's a great question because you know this was a church I, I later had found out you know men sat on one side and women sat on another yeah. you know and so there is an evolution of all things you know church and religion included and I think it's 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 great for people just to question those things, right? If I'm more holy, will that help? <laughs> What's the solution? When I did. I thought, oh my God, I prayed and prayed and thought, oh dear, I've got to, you know. Um, but, you know, there are things that take too much time to change and that may never change. So I, I really think that our young children, our sons and daughters, we need to explain that in a way that, that they can manage it without it being a huge obstruction or a self, you know, a self-destructive component in their, in their future development, because I, I think it has the capacity to do that. It certainly did with me, but anyway, I don't want to be offensive to anyone. And boy, um, I come from a Catholic, you know, town and that, that'll probably piss them off, but. Well, we can always edit that out. So, I mean, don't, if you don't you, want to include it, it's okay. I mean, I want have, you to be here have your people um, decide uh, how they feel about it. But you know what? You, we're not allowed to have the conversation. And I think we do need to have the conversation. 
Yeah, I agree because I think that's the only way it changes. You know, I I've felt the same way. You know, I haven't been to a high school in years, and you know, we're kind of late to parenthood. But I, I'm like, wow, this culture has not changed a lot. So, you know, I still feel like it's a lot of cheerleading for the boys' sports, not necessarily for the girls' sports. And then even you know, Fridays are still the big deal, and it's still football. And I'm like, okay, like I get it, but at the same time, what's the next iteration of some of this? So that. We see more equity and inclusion within our schools beyond, you know, football Fridays and recognizing that some people aren't interested in that. And there's so many other talents and things that, you know, people are interested in and have to offer the world. And those should be lifted up and celebrated as well. So I think it's getting better, but it's, it's slow. Yeah, it is. Well, have your people, you know, when they listen to it, please don't make me look, you know, cut that, cut those bad parts out. And um, we'll make you brilliant. Don't worry. We'll, we'll just oh, make thank you, you as brilliant as you naturally are. But <laughs> I, 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 need a, I need a lot of props. So no, you did great. I love this whole tub tool story, though. That is hilarious. I still can't believe you're having a concussion and you start yes. business. Oh. I mean, <laughs> Oh my God. You know what? And it's our type A. You would have done the same thing, Connie. I'm, I'm telling you because it was uh, just too type A and my body wouldn't allow me to do anything. It's like, what the hell? And then, you know, I, I'm so excited about Tub Tool and we'll see what next week brings. I'm trying to get a large account. We'll see. Good luck. That's exciting. Are you going to pitch at Shark Tank? You know, um, you sent me that and someone else did too. I noticed you were already invited, but when I read your bio, I, and I didn't know about tub tool. I'm like, Oh, that might be a Janet palm tag situation there. <laughs> no, here's the deal. Um, I just, I'm not ready. If they would have come next year when I had established, you know, sure. um, uh, gotten some traction, I did get a patent. I didn't mention that. Oh, but- did you really? Yeah, I got reapplied for a patent and got it in December. And I'll be honest, it was a crapshoot. And I can't believe it. I'm just so excited. So I'm a patent holder. So I cheers. Congratulations. <laughs> that is so exciting, Janet. That is, yeah. that is just amazing. But I love, you know, what I love listening to is just your approach to it all. Like, you know, I'm, this is not the end of my world. If it works, it's not the end of my world or beginning of my world. If it goes big, but this is who I am. That's kind of how I hear you talking about it all. And I just love that approach to entrepreneurship. I think especially for a lot of women or even men who are a little more hesitant around it. Like I'm going to explore this. I'm taking baby steps towards it, but I really can see a bright future here. Well, apparently the patent office agreed that it was a unique product that needed to be out there. I'm actually working on a second patent. So anyway, I I forgot to mention that. (laughs) Oh, patent holder. Well, I'm still recording. So they hear all that and hear the cutting out. (laughs) Well, this way they'll have these end notes. So they'll look at then. Cut out the bad stuff and use your own judgment. And they'll do that. Caitlin and Katie, sometimes I'll insert little conversations like this. So they have fun as they go through. Well, thank you for, it's so kind of you to include me. I don't feel like I'm qualified to be on your program, but what an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, you are one of the first names I thought of because, you know, you just have, you do, you have this energy and presence about you that I've just always admired and I just love. And I, I so appreciate too, that you're just so willing to voice things, but you do it in a way that's totally Janet Palm tag, you know, and it's, I don't know, you have a strength that 
I think is going to be so important for more leaders to take on in the future. So it's it, the words that you used earlier were just perfect. You know, it's always been this have to be sort of this bull in the China cabinet thing. And it really doesn't have to be that way. And it's great to see leaders like yourself having su success, just being very authentic in who you are, but also building teams around that and nurturing those teams to be successful as well. And it's just a, it's just a cool life philosophy, leadership philosophy and, and way of living. It's awesome. Well, we girls are all in it together. And I do, um, I'm glad that you're focusing somewhat on, um, you know, females, because, you know, we are half the sky and we are going to be the, the people that change, change things for the better, I think, in our rural communities as well. So, well, we hear that we hear that gender equity is one of the things that a lot of our communities would like to see happen. And so and I think that's it's a mindset change. That's yes. a mindset change. So little by little, we'll find our way, I think. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Janet. We'll get this um, recording to the team. And then as it gets ready to launch, they'll send you more information so you can get it out on your social media channels and, you know, right. use it as you would like it as well. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And I just got a text from uh, Marty Fedick. In, oh, did you really? In, uh, <laughs> Auburn. And here, I, I know you got to go here, but I'm just going to tell you what he said. Janet, I thought I would send you this um, from the rural Futures Institute. It is attributes of successful communities. <laughs> <laughs> so there you see, you're doing great things. And Marty's awesome. You're all over the uh, wavelength of the internet right now. So anyway. Well, so. That's, that's thanks to our comm department. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> They're killing it out there. So it's great. Okay. Well, listen, you have a, have a good day. And hey, let's get together for a, um, a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. Oh. Yeah, I'm in. That sounds good. We'll celebrate uh, your contract. How's that sound after you get that signed? Oh, <laughs> With your... I'm sure going to try. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure going to try. Well, keep me posted. That's okay. exciting. All Take right. care, Janet. Thank you. Bye.